So hello and welcome to episode one of Getting Deep Podcast with Phil and Harvey. Um, today we're going to be talking about Seaspiracy. Now Harvey, this was a documentary on Netflix that you recommended that I watch, and I did, and we'll get to that in a little while, but why did you recommend it to me? Well, I I kind of watched the David Attenborough stuff, and I like documentaries, and I, I saw it, and I heard about it on, on Twitter, I think it was, and I thought, you know what, it's worth it all, watch when I, when I saw it, when I'm doing a bit of work. And uh, yeah, it got, you, got me glued, and yeah, from there, I thought it's definitely something I have to share with Phil. For sure, and so I watched it the day after, and obviously I've got my own opinions on the thing as well. Uh, like I said already, it's a Netflix documentary. It was released in 2021, and uh, the IMDb description of the documentary is passionate about ocean life. A filmmaker sets out to document the harm that humans do to marine species and uncovers alarming global corruption. Corruption there was, are we? Oh, there's loads of corruption. It was so fascinating. I, I literally thought that the way humans are with the plastics and all that was the reason. And it, it, it just highlights the fact that that's like 1% of the issue. Yeah, absolutely. It's It was crazy to me how much harm uh, humans, who, let's be honest, they are at the top of their food chain, but how much damage they're doing to the oceans is, is ridiculous. Yeah, uh, it it just baffled me that uh, obviously governments would uh, cover it up purely to line their pockets. So that was just a snippet of what you're going to expect in this podcast. Uh, here's a trailer for those of you that haven't seen it. My name is Ali. I've been fascinated with the ocean for as long as I can remember. But this romantic vision that I always had of the ocean completely changed. I was forced to confront a side of the story I never knew. A story of just how huge our impact on the seas had become. Where are the big environment groups? They are deliberately not engaging with the most important issue of all. Can you turn off the cameras? Thanks. Would you say there's any safety concerns for me making this film? If you're getting in the way of their business, you are risking your own life. The slaughter of these dolphins is a reaction to the overfishing that's happening. We hear a lot about blood diamonds. This is blood shrimp. We are at war with the oceans. And if we win this war, we're going to lose it all because mankind is not able to live on this planet with the Dead Sea. I just don't see how you could possibly enforce sustainable fishing laws with all these boats. The same syndicates that are behind illegal fishing are the same criminal groups that are behind drug trafficking, human trafficking, and other crimes. So there's no slavery going on? No, no. Business, eh? It's business. If you want to address climate change, the first thing you do is protect the ocean. And the solution to that is very simple. Leave it alone. Most of the positive and negative things that bring about change in human civilization start with someone. Someone. So Phil, this was a recommendation from me to watch this. Um, certainly opened my eyes to how the world is regarding our fishing. But um, do you think a documentary like this is needed? Yeah, it could probably be a little bit of an eye-opener, couldn't it? It's one of them that uh, answers a question that we didn't even know needed to be answered, which is basically uh, what is mankind doing to to the world, and in this case, the ocean life. Do you think the marine life 
get enough respect as in obviously like chicken and stuff we eat on a daily basis why is fish any different no i think you're right there so a little bit like obviously we're very privileged in the way we eat our food these days you think we go into a supermarket or a corner shop and things like that and uh, these meats are prepared for us you know we, we never see them in their animal form really to us they're just a uh well a bit of meat really you know what i mean they've been taken care of and uh, that's the way we live these days and yeah it's, it's a little bit you know strange to think that obviously that came from the animal but the animals are in the same boat really pardon the pun obviously yeah yeah they're on the same boat um obviously we've got to eat which obviously is the reason why people go out of fish in the first place but when we we go to the shop we pick up these a bit of fish or meat like for this podcast it is to do with fish so we pick up a bit of fish we go home, we cook it, we eat it, we say, oh, what a lovely meal. Now, are we are we part of the problem? <sighs> yes, it's a, it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because, well, I can only speak for myself. Well, in this case, I'll speak for you too. We're both not vegetarian. We're both not vegan. We are meat eaters. So I guess the vegetarian and the vegan community would argue we're part of the problem. To be fair, I think that would be the case. Going back to like the chicken and egg type scenario, is it a case of... As fish eaters, we need to stop eating fish for them to stop fishing for the fish in the first place. Or do we keep on eating the fish because it's a waste for them catching it? Yeah, it's one of them catch-22 situations, isn't it? I don't think the fish consumption is going to stop, that's the thing. I think uh, that's going to be as big as ever, really. Uh, unfortunately, the only thing that uh, these companies can do is try to put in protocols where they stop harming the the sea life, the ocean bed, and obviously by catching animals, uh, well, fish, that uh, they weren't there to catch in the first place. Yeah, unfortunately, the world's run by money, and with the price of the fish these days, as you'll see in the documentary if you were to watch it, that some of these fish are ridiculously priced, and there's no reason as to why the companies will stop. No, absolutely. As long as they're getting paid off, that's the thing. They're not going to stop. Um, sadly, uh, in the human existence, money is more important than than the life of uh, animals. Yeah, well, we all chase money in different ways of life. Obviously, did different work. Um, but fishermen go out and fish. That 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 was their job from day one. And not once do we complain that oh, there's a fish on the shelf, there's a fish on the fishmonger's counter. We don't ever question that until now so why does it take one person to make a documentary and then it's looked on in a bad light yeah true um i think the reason that this um whole process is looked on so badly and negatively <clears throat> is because of what humans are doing to the to the ocean life to the seabed and they are you know they are the biggest cause of concern f for the extinction of these animals now, obviously, if you watch David Attenborough's documentaries and stuff, he, he he goes into a lot of depth and stats and stuff. And humans haven't even explored 10% of the oceans. So it's obviously only based on the potential we have already looked at. But is the sea a human consumption of fish the way forward? As in, it was always meant to be that way? Well, we're getting... We're getting into the uh, Neanderthal age, are we? I'm not really too sure, you know. Like, obviously, uh, 
our diet probably, you know, in the original days consisted of probably grubs and things like that. But again, if we, if we didn't evolve and to where we are now in twenty twenty two, how many fish would there be in the water? Yeah, true. You argue it would be overpopulated. I I can't see why it wouldn't be overpopulated. Obviously, if you were to watch the documentary, you'd see that obviously predators of those fish are being caught. But like I say, we're catching billions of fish each year. I don't think the the predators would ever keep up with the consumption of fish we do consume. Very true. It's also not a direct sort of like conclusion of, you know, well, data-wise, how many would the sharks have eaten before we had taken them out of the ocean as well? There was that argument, but that's obviously going to be too hard to predict. Yeah, of course. Um, again, to go back to the documentary, if you were to watch it, the food chain is there for a reason, and, and one guy goes into it really good. If, if we would take out the predators, obviously, then the food chain moves up, and the chains below it collapse, and, yeah, the sea might not be there. And, obviously, there's a lot of plant life in the ocean that we rely on for oxygen. Yeah, and there was there was actually a good point of uh, what you were saying now, Harvey, with the guy explaining, obviously, with the, with the different levels of the food chain, and even right down to the fish... Uh, excrement let's say that and uh, the way it fed the algae plants things like that you know this is this is almost a process that if you start taking levels out everything crumbles even if that's the top even if that's the predator level two becomes a predator and then they fall out and fade away so it really is a tough one to to try and get to grips with really yeah for sure Regarding the, the fish we do buy in, in tins and all this kind of, kind of stuff obviously on these tins is government marks saying it's shark-free, dolphin-free, all these types of things. But again, this documentary shows you that even they can't tell the truth. So what we are eating isn't necessarily what it says in the tin. Yeah, very true. It, it's one of them, again, until um, Ali, the documentary maker, made the uh, well asked the question, until he asked the question, uh, they could have gotten away with this for, well, however long they've been advertising that on their tins, obviously, like, say... Uh, dolphin friendly, dolphin free. Um, well, as as we see in the documentary, that's not necessarily the case. I just don't understand when, but when they ask the guy and he he says he can't guarantee it's dolphin free. Surely it can't be that difficult. You can tell the difference between a, a dolphin and a fish. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, obviously, the, the the difficulty is obviously with these massive sort of like trailer tra- uh, trawler boats. Sorry, they, you know they they pick up so much life in the ocean that of course things are going to get into the net that they didn't expect or they didn't want and obviously it's these animals these fish that that suffer ultimately because they're not being used for for meat so that we can eat it they're literally just dying as a process of us going out to grab to grab what we need yeah i was absolutely shocked to hear that that so many wildlife sea turtles and etc are just losing life because being caught up in nets but on the other hand, they, as we see in one port in the documentary, that they target predators so they can catch fish themselves. Yeah, absolutely. And and some of these fish, they were going for ridiculous amounts of money as well, weren't they? So, again, it, it's almost like the corruption of man. It's not, it's not you know, all based on on uh, meals and fish at the end of the day, obviously. It's a money, it's a money tree, isn't it? It, it revolves around money, and that's the only thing that's motivating these people. They're obviously in a very profitable business, and they don't want to give that up. 
feed the greed, they say. Yeah, well, that's exactly it, Harvey. You're right. And and you know what? Without this documentary, it could have gone unanswered for many, many, many more years. But hopefully this has uncovered a little bit of a conspiracy within these organisations where they will be questioned a little bit more and be asked to prove their safety of animals and, and fish in the ocean. So I wonder if this Ali guy was to meet, say, Dave Attenborough, who are obviously fighting for completely different causes, i.e. one's plastic and one's the, the commercial fishing, whether they could come up with a solution as to which one it is. Yeah, yeah, it would be interesting, wouldn't it? Um, obviously, comparing the two, David Attenborough to Ali Tabrizi, um, obviously they're both environmentalists, they both want to do well for the environment, and and that should be commended at the highest level, really, shouldn't it? Because they're given their... They're given their time and their life uh, to try and improve the planet, uh, planet and leave it safe for future generations. Now, obviously, like we say, with the greed these companies um, seem to be getting wrapped up in, it's a little bit more complicated than that. I get why these governments now are, are obviously catching the fish. It's all down to money. We will have the money at the end of the day, but it's the way you go about getting that money. Now, as the, I know, the rich and famous, even down to... People at the lowest level, we all eat fish or shellfish or seafood, so we all we all have it on our shopping lists every week or month, whatever. If we were to stop that, would these people stop? I don't think they would. Um, I think that's the problem with it, Harvey. I think there's always going to be a market for it, you know, and and unfortunately, we've had that market for so long now, and what we were saying a little bit earlier, taking it for granted that it's just there for us in the shop already prepared, that... It's just, it's just easy for us, isn't it? It's made easy. We don't have to go out with a rod and catch the fish ourselves. It's done for us. And I think because the human race have had it easy for so long, I think it would just continue. With less fish in the sea, is our diet going to change or are they going to go on something else, to some, some more dramatic life they're going to take from this world? Um, again, I'll be top of the food chain, I guess, ultimately... There's two things. Is one what animal provides the most nutrition, really? Let's be honest. And secondly, which one creates the most profit? Uh, ultimately, if fish were to die out, for example, and the oceans became bare uh, or unmanageable in the terms of you know catching large quantities of fish to sell and feed us, then I think there'd be something else, and it would all again just be a big money spinner. Just the wheel keeps on turning. But we go back to the documentary again, and. Um... Obviously, land animals, i.e. chickens and cows, humans have learned to, that's a sustainable source. We can we can breed them, we can do all of that. We chicken bash you places to get our chicken, that's fine. We've dealt with that now. But as we see in the documentary, humans haven't evolved enough to be able to do that with fish. They just die off and disease. Yeah, true. It's it's um It's mad, really, when you think about it, Harvey. Um... A little side note, right, I'm, I'm going to go off topic just for this conversation, right, but how much of the world is made up of water? 80%, I believe. Right, so 80%, and I know this is for a different time, but I'm going to talk about space exploration now, right? We're going to uh, the moon, right, we've, we've uh, well, we've been to the moon, sorry, we're going to Mars. Don't you think, again, the human race should get their priorities in order a little bit, and well, explore this world a little bit more first, because, as you say, there's so much of the underneath the water that we haven't explored, and we're going around to other planets. 
Is that all a bit mad backwards to you? Or? It's mad backwards to me and you because we don't know what's going on. But to the the ones high up, they're seeing how we're we're dealing with this this planet, and they want they want to find a sustainable source for themselves for the next one. <laughs> Maybe it is that you know, like they. Well, one thing I know we'll both agree on, are we, is you know, humankind, the human race is making a, a right mess of this planet that we live in right now, and it is a terrible, terrible shame. Yeah, it's, you can question until you're blue in the face, but you never get the answer you want. Unfortunately, as we're doing now, we're doing a podcast on, yes, a microphone, it's, it's plastic, it's got wires, it's electric, so we are we are all, everyone on, on the planet is contributing to this conveyor belt of stuff, and the supply and demand, these big companies don't care. Well, one of the interesting facts that I got from the from the documentary, Harvey, was that sea turtles, for example, right? They they were um, there was about a thousand deaths that were caused by plastic, right? But don't get me wrong, that's still too many, and that is obviously because of man, because plastic is a man-made product, right? Yeah. yeah. But just to compare, two hundred and fifty thousand sea turtles were killed by mistake by being picked up by catching the fish. So obviously that means fishermen who go out to catch a certain type of fish so they can sell it, and sea turtles being caught in the uh, in the net and dying as a part of that. Um, so obviously that's disappointing, but, you know, is plastic the problem? I think plastic, it, it, it is a, a, a slight problem to the bigger cause. Um, I think it's 0.01% of a problem. Obviously, we don't want that to grow, but unfortunately, it probably will. Population rising and supply and demand and all, all those types of things. But when it comes to commercial fishing, that clearly that, that is the bigger, the bigger problem. Yeah, it seems a little bit sly to me because, you know, we, say, for example, are being um, accused of contributing to the harm of the world by using plastic uh, and that's why recycling's come a lot, you know, around a lot in recent years and things like that. And no, it is important to recycle, absolutely. But it almost feels like these corporations are almost tricking you a little bit. Slight of hand almost. They're showing you what's wrong, that you can fix this, this plastic problem. But God's sake, don't tell them how many we kill with the fishing nets. You know what I mean? That that would be that would cause outrage. So you're right, I think as much as plastic is a problem and we need to stop it, you know what, those numbers alone show that there's a bigger cause for the deaths of animals in the sea. So I think, going off what you just said there, obviously us as humans, we do use a lot of plastic and stuff fine. Um, with that being said, if it's 0.01%, they obviously exaggerate, say, say 10% of the problem. If we stop using plastics, that's 10% less of a problem. But it's only 10% less of what is already a problem. So surely they should be targeting the thing that is the major problem. Yeah, um, and I think the reason that it's not going to go and be, be sorted that easily off, it, it, it's much easier for the government to tell us to say, you know, stop using plastic because it's contributing to the harm of the world and the sea and the animals and things like that. What they don't want you to do is see how many animals are coming to harm by their you know, methods and ultimately how much money is being made from the methods and ultimately, it's not going to stop because they're making far too much money from it. It's all about money. And quite frankly, they're not bothered about the next generation of 100 years' time because they won't be here. Yeah, you're right. I think I think that's very fair. You know what, though? It's a really 
It's a really sad way of looking at things, isn't it? Because obviously, let's let's use our grandparents for example. Now, you know, some of us knew our grandparents. I'm sure some of us probably didn't know our grandparents. They might have passed away before we uh, had the privilege to meet them, but but they existed regardless. You know, they were there. And what if they had the same attitude as us? Ah, it's for another generation to sort out, not for me. It's someone else's problem. Uh, it could have been too late for us. Well, you say that, but our grandparents fought a war so we could live in the first place. So we're, we're the selfish ones in our generation and 20, 30 years before us. Yes, we live relatively in, in peace, but we're causing more harm now to everything else but us. So getting back to the documentary maker, Harvey, Ali Tabrizi, he was a very humble guy from what I, what I saw of him. Um, at the start of his documentary, he was going around beaches and picking up plastic. Um, that's obviously a very generous thing to do with his time, don't you think? Oh, for sure. We're all, we're all wanting to help out the world as much as we can, but some people like Ali take it to the next level. Yeah, so we commend him for that. So, yeah, if you ever hear this, Ali, well done. That's brilliant. Um, and also... You know, you're the one that made the documentary. You opened our eyes. And and you know what, guys? We, we, we recommend going to watch Seaspiracy for yourself, just in case there's anything that we missed that we're talking about. It really is an eye-opening documentary, so please go see it. I just want to add that people that are, are vegans and vegetarians or all those other things have absolutely no problem with them whatsoever. Obviously, we are meat-eaters. They aren't. We're not on here to discuss those types of things so we get a bit of combat from them saying, this is why we don't eat meat, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We all have choices. But um, it, it definitely edges us towards the awareness of it. Yeah, for sure. And you know what? I could uh, almost agree with their argument a little bit after watching this documentary. Because humans are the problem at the end of the day. It might not be the fish consumption that's the problem, uh, so much as the way in which they do it. You know, they're doing it for greedy purposes. They're doing it so that they can get the money. And that's the problem. It's the way they're caught and the way they're almost tortured, if you know what I mean. They say in a documentary that fish don't have feelings and things like that, but they have nervous systems just like humans do. And yes, they don't speak English or human, obviously, but they do feel pain. Oh, yeah, that was a very good point, Harvey, actually. They were talking to that um, doctor, weren't they? And yeah, uh, she said, of course, fish feel pain and can feel anxiety and fear because they have a nervous system. And again, it puts that almost human side to it. Do you know what I mean? We're being incredibly cruel to to animals that have a heartbeat and have a reason to be here as much as us, even if they are below us on the food, food chain. Obviously, fish don't know what, what the food chain is, but they know they've got to eat and they know there's a good chance that they'll be eaten. Obviously, for humans, we walk this planet every day and the only harm that comes to us is by other humans. So Ali and his wife obviously go off on their little journeys to to explore the the corruption, if you will, and, and the methods that are used to, to catch these fish in large quantities. Um, they they make a stop, Harvey, at a place called Kikajura, which is a bluefish tuna port. Now, am I right in thinking, did I hear it right, that they sell these fish for three million dollars each. Yes, that's correct. That is ridiculous. I don't understand how a fish can cost that much, but I guess for the rich and famous, three million pound probably isn't anything. Yeah, you're probably right, you know. And and this port that we're talking about, it had it had hundreds of them, didn't it? It was it was ridiculous. So 
again, when you put a financial value on things like that, uh, and in this case, these bluefish tuna are worth $3 million each, of course they're going to be tried to be caught and sold because they're ultimately going to make you a profit at the end of the day. Obviously, that supply and demand thing comes into it, but he go on to say in the documentary that the bluefish tuna is the quickest fish on the planet, and that's why it costs so much. Surely, it shouldn't come down to the fact that it's the hardest to catch should be the highest priced fish. So, what you're saying is, if we were all cannibals, everyone would want a Usain Bolt. Yeah. It doesn't matter how fast it is when it's on your plate as well, let's be honest. That's redundant, isn't it? Now, obviously, when they visited this port, Harley, uh, they were told to stop recording. Now, it's a little bit tough, because obviously, you know, people individually don't want to be um, recorded. If some random person on the street was recording us, we'd feel a little bit strange with that, I'm sure. But you know what? Does that show that they were doing, you know, a bit of shady business there? They were trying to hide what they were doing and they didn't want it caught on camera. That's why they asked them to stop recording. Yeah, I believe so. But also, I think the people that were on camera are, are not the issue. I think they're just given a job which they get paid to do. And the people higher up are the ones hiding behind these people. It's like a cashier, really. Yeah, and a scapegoat a little bit as well, isn't it? Yeah, so obviously his livelihood is going to work, doing this job. He's probably getting a good wage because of the price of the fish. But if that stops for him, his family don't get fed. Yeah, true. Yeah, no, I totally agree. He's not the problem here. The person doing the job isn't the problem. It's the person telling him to do the job that's the problem. Yeah. Um, But obviously, do you think it was a bit maybe like shady? Because... They were asked to stop filming several times. But I think when, when two people come into your your place of work and with a camera in hand, you do get a bit suspicious and go, well, what are you doing here? I, yeah. I think if they went with a film crew, we'd say like the BBC or whatever, ITV or whatever channel they're with, I think it'd be a bit more welcomed, possibly. Yeah. But on this case, then, uh, yeah, it does look a bit shady, having two individuals with cameras. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, they also, they had just arrived in uh, southern Japan, I believe. Uh, they were in their car on their way to their first destination, or maybe even the hotel at this point. Can't really remember. And they were pulled over by the police uh, to ask what they were doing there. Uh, they lied. They said that they were there on holiday. But again, maybe they were a little bit suspicious of their behaviour then. What are you doing? We don't want you to expose us. We don't want you to see what's going on here. Because this is protected. If I remember when I when I saw it, I didn't quite understand why they were being followed because they only got off the plane and they were driving the streets, like you said. It's not like they were filming fish the day before or anything like that. True. So they must have maybe done their homework a bit on everyone that comes into the country. Yeah, there's definitely that. And Ali could have been a little bit notorious for what he does. Um, and obviously coming to that sort of place, the police could have put two and two together and realised what he'd come for. There's also maybe the thought of the camera equipment that they bought with them. Uh, they obviously packed their bags full of camera equipment and someone would have had to check them bags and maybe they were the ones that reported it to the police because obviously that area is famous for uh, catching fish in the way it does and when an independent videographer comes and tries to record all that footage, they need to be a bit cautious perhaps. Yeah, I understand that. I'm sure they get a lot of tourism. They must have been aware of what Ali does and the type of filming he does. But it was a bit 
bit scary just watching it, knowing that the they're being followed. Yeah, it was a little bit, wasn't it? There, there, there was that sort of like a uh, little bit more mystery to it. You know, it was almost as if they were they were aware they might be uncovering something big here because they were they had a you know people on their tail, and uh, yeah, that turned out to be the case. So it was obviously very eye opening, and yeah, there, there was something else out of it as well. It wasn't exactly pretty to watch, but they did show us in in full sort of like view of the camera. Uh, people were cutting the sh- uh, the fins off of sharks. Obviously, these sharks were were dead. They were. Um, I don't think they were intentionally caught. I think they were perhaps caught as part of the bycatching, which is out to catch, say, tuna, and a shark was in the net and things like that. And they were cutting the the fins off so they could be used uh, for a Japanese meal, I believe, called um, shark fin soup. I did see that. Um, it's one of those things. Do they know that the sharks will be caught? They don't necessarily go out for them. But part of the bycatch, like you said, do they know that a certain amount of sharks will be within their nets? And regarding the shark fin soup, there's absolutely no nutritional value to it. So I don't understand why they need to cut them off. Again, Harvey, it makes it seem like we've got an agenda, right? But from what I gathered, shark fin soup is a bit of a delicacy. So it's a little bit of a sort of status symbol almost to eat it. So you're right, it provides absolutely no nutritional value. But to be seen eating it, I guess, you know, that's why you're, well, viewed to be eating it, because it shows you've got money. Yeah, obviously in the in the Western world, it's, it's stuff like caviar again, it's, it's fish again. That's something they go for. Shark fin soup, though, doesn't appeal to me, does it appeal to you? No, nah, for sure. I, I, I won't be having any anytime soon, put it that way. That seems like a good point to ask about fish, though, Harvey. What do you eat fish-wise? I, well, let's be honest here, I, I do eat a lot of salmon fillets. Um, I do eat mussels and things like that. Obviously, they, they, they are nice, don't get me wrong. But it, this documentary has definitely opened my eyes to possibly changing my diet slightly and not involving fish. Yeah, I think I think that is fair, you know, because... Well, as you know, I'm not much of a fish eater, Harvey, to be honest. I might have a piece of cod if it's got some batter around it, but that's as far as mine will go. I don't really like tuna. Salmon's okay, but it's quite expensive and not for me, really. But, you know, if I was to never eat a fish again, I think it, would, it wouldn't bother me, whereas I think it would affect your diet quite drastically if you gave it up, which I'm not asking you to do, by the way. No, no, <laughs> Just, no. I understand that. Um, if I was to give it up, I would be doing it on the basis of this documentary and the reasons behind it. But um, you've also got to think, going off the subject of fish a bit, if I was to give up that, it's because of this documentary. If I was to give up meat, it's because the animals are getting killed for that. For that. And if we were to eat, eat our greens, that's being killed. So everything we eat has lived before. So yeah. what do we eat without causing pain or something? Yeah, you're right. Um, again, there's a little bit of benefit in that sense to be in top of the food chain isn't there we can literally have our pick of what we want whether we were any way always intended to be top of the food chain is a different matter which is which is crazy but let's just hypothetically think that if we weren't top of the food chain there would be something higher than us and they would be coming for us we would live in a world where we could be the hunted i going off something it's a little turn a bit with this but um I feel we're not top of the food chain without tools. If humans didn't have tools, there's no way we'd 
beating a lion or a tiger or an alligator, we'd be food for them. Yeah, no, I think that is fair, you know. Yeah, naturally. Yeah, naturally. <laughs> a one-on-one fight, we'd lose. Do you know what I mean? You're right. It's the tools we have, the weapons we have that ultimately gives us that advantage against the predators in this world. Based on our evolution, we've obviously used tools and things to get to the top of the food chain, whereas animals can't do that. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's um, probably a little bit of a downfall of our evolution, perhaps, obviously, with the diet we eat and things like that, but it's a deep one. So we've now been the time to look after our seas. We did see on the documentary a company called Sea Shepherd, and they patrol the, the oceans. What's your opinion on them? Yeah, I think it's fair, Harvey. I think they're doing a good job. Almost like a little bit of a, a vigilante group kind of um, enforcing the law that the police are deciding to overlook, uh, which is a little bit strange. But you know what? Someone needs to do it, so it might as well be the, the Sea Shepherd. It was weird to see that they were stopping commercial fishing and then these little boats were coming up. Their fish were being taken by these commercial f- fishermen and all they were doing was coming out to sea asking for food just to feed their families. Yeah, exactly. It's, a, it's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, I think I think they're doing a good job, don't get me wrong. And as far as I'm aware, they're just all volunteers as well. They're, they're not doing it for a wage. I don't think they're doing it because of their love for the planet and they're trying to enforce the laws that are in place. It's just the police don't police them. I don't think you can police it, though. No, the oceans are massive. Yeah, yeah. And these companies, it's big business, so... They're going after fish, like we said before, three million pound of fish. For some people, when they've got nothing, it's worth the risk. Yeah, no, I think I agree. It's it's going to be too difficult to stop. There'd be too many people trying to do it, and ultimately, there's a law that is technically being broken every time that they go out and fish in certain areas and things like that, and the harm they're doing to other species of fish. But the fact that these laws are in place and not getting policed is a bit disappointing from my point of view. Obviously, if laws get broken on land, it's taken care of pretty quickly. And that's why we have prisons and things jam-packed, because people are doing crimes every day. But yet, when it comes to actually looking after our planet, they're not doing anything about it. It's hard on our isn't it? Obviously, you blame the police force, but again, it's the governments that bring in these laws. And you know what? If the police aren't the ones policing these laws, then who's to blame, really? It's, it's like, almost like a hi- hierarchy of... Who's in the wrong here? I believe in the documentary as well, they, I think it was Japan, or fishing for whales was was banned and then they kind of dropped their own law and brought it back again. Yeah, basically. I, I think I remember that too. So basically, yeah, uh, they were out catching, catching whales while they could, as far as I was aware, and then, um, and then, yeah, tried to make it law again. And ultimately, we know really it, it didn't stop. No. It just makes it look good, doesn't it? It makes the government look like they are trying to do something about it. Ultimately, these companies are making far too much money for them to stop. And that's it, really. If, if there's one thing that we've learned from this podcast, at least speaking from my uh, point of view, I, mean, I don't want to speak for you. You can tell me what you think in a sec. But I think all of this is just brought on by the greed of man. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Like I said before, you feed the greed. If there's fish out there to be caught for three million pounds a pop, the government's not going to turn those up at that, are they? So exactly. People in charge, they're not going to be around in their lifetime when obviously the oceans could collapse and it's not their issue. No, for sure. It's, um, it's not their issue when they're making so much money from it as well. Ultimately, I think we'd like to see the change of 
these companies being allowed to have statements on their uh, on their boxes, on their tins, saying dolphin safe, whale safe, shark safe, things like that, that ultimately aren't true. Uh, firstly, these companies should be should be told to remove them labels because ultimately they're just a blatant lie. Yeah, and things like as a child, I'm sure everyone remembers, and even now, Captain Birdseye. We were taught that eating our fish fingers is a healthy thing for omega three and all these type of things, but it's just it's just a ploy for generally general families to eat fish. Yeah, you're right. It's it's, a, it's again, it's just a marketing trick, isn't it? I think there was something in the documentary where the omega three nutritional value isn't even worth eating the fish. You can get it from other things. So so again, it's just a it's just an advertising market, isn't it? I mean, and, and the thing is. Uh, they actually show Captain Birdseye in the documentary, if you remember. And um, the contrast between, obviously, seeing the television advert of Captain Birdseye and then seeing the real life, you know, the fishermen actually catching the fish, it is much different than what we are, what we are given as the scene of, of that life, you know. Yeah, and obviously over the years, things like dead, deadliest cats and things, humans risk their lives to catch these fish. And it's just like... If they're willing to go to depth of death to catch these fish, there's no way we're going to stop it. No, you're right. Um, punishment at that point. If, if, if death isn't the ultimate punishment, <laughs> and that's not scaring them, nothing will. You know what I mean? So, so you're right, Obvious. It's, it's, sadly, it's not going to stop. So if we move on slightly, in the documentary, we heard the word slavery. Yeah. Now, obviously, slavery was abolished in the world decades, decades ago. But it just shows you there is slavery being executed in other ways, i.e. on fishing ships and things. So how do we stop that? Again, it's a little bit hard to stop because I think ultimately you want to stop it from the top. You know, you want to stop it from the the people who are making these people work for pittance, let's be honest. And again, obviously, it's, um, it's the rich man getting the the poor men to do the work for them. And they sit there in their, you know, office in their suits or whatever, um, just counting their money. I've not got an issue with them doing the work because we all go to work for, for something. It's the fact that it's comes under the category of slavery, as in they're being forced to work for nothing, risking their lives like all the other fishermen. Yeah, yeah. For absolutely no no gain and all the reward going to the one man at the top. Yeah, I mean. You're right. That is probably, you know, if we got the Google definition of of slavery up now, it would be, you know, forced work, really, wouldn't it? It would be um, forced to do work you don't want to do, and in this case, putting your putting your life in danger. And you're right. It's it's a it's a modern version of slavery. It's it's again disgusting. It it really is. The, you know, the more we think about it, the more eye opening this documentary is to all sorts of things. But it's also an eye opening way of looking at the world. I don't condone it for one minute. Slavery is horrible and I'm glad it stopped. Well, so we thought. When you're earning three million pounds a fish, surely everyone can get a cut. Well, you'd, you would have hoped so. But again, obviously, it's that greed thing. You know, it's all it is. It's just greed, mate. It's, it's all it is. So it, if you can make three million pounds a fish and you're still having slavery, surely there's no way forward for that. It's, it, it can always be there. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where 
you're right. It's 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 been there for years. It's been there for decades, and it's always going to be there. Do you know what I mean? It, it just is because it's it was one of the earliest ways of feeding your family, wasn't it? Um, going out to fish, risking your life, and yeah, ultimately, as as the world progresses and the population increases, the demand is there for more as well, which is ultimately again uh, the cause for concern in this case. Okay, so if if we look, say, in 10 years' time, and Ali's documentary has really hit home to a lot of people, and supermarkets then stop selling these fish in supermarkets, do you think those supermarkets can sustain themselves on everything but seafood? Uh, I think they could sustain themselves as a business, Harvey. Although, if they were to start doing that, then it probably wouldn't be too long until they did the same thing for me. And then they've probably got a little bit of an issue. So I can't see it happening myself, although it would be the good first step. I agree. I think, like you say, if you stop fish and then obviously meats and cheeses and dairy, and, and then you, you're basically just left with a, a supermarket full of vegetables and fruit. <laughs> yeah, which uh, nobody wants, let's be honest. So let's start to wrap, wrap this up now. I think we've covered more or less everything from the from the documentary, where can you see this going and the works of Ali going in the next five years, if anywhere? Um, it was very interesting in the documentary. They said that there could be real problems with the ocean life in about 2048. And we know how fast time flies these days, you know, as, you're, as you get older, that just seems to fly by. I'll tell you what I wouldn't mind, maybe a Seaspiracy 2. I'm not sure how likely that is. But maybe Ali can revisit some of his old places, see if anything's changed, and again, raise the point again in, say, a decade's time. Hopefully, it won't all be too late by then. We know the the commercial fishing has taken a massive hit on the ocean and stuff, but I think if we were to revisit more or less the same thing again, in, say, like the five years, and see how much of a difference the percentage of fish are left in the sea, and see if the actual planet is sustaining itself. Yeah, so that'd be a good show, Harvey. It's just to see how things wrap up in a way. Obviously, this is going to become a continuous problem until two things happen. Either they stop fishing in such large quantities and killing killing all sorts of ocean life, or the seas just become, you know, like a wasteland, just empty. So one of the two is going to happen eventually, perhaps. And and yeah, it's not looking not looking too um, good at the moment. We're to wrap wrap this up now. Have you got a your final final word on this? So I think firstly, thanks for recommending it because I enjoyed it. You know, it's a ninety minute documentary uh, on Netflix, like we say. So go watch it. It's probably worth your time uh, if you're into this kind of stuff. And if you're listening to this podcast, we assume you probably are. So yeah, definitely go watch it if you haven't already. My last thought on the subject is. And it might be a good way to do another podcast on this in the future, Harvey, at some point. You know, the greed of humankind, the the way everything's money-orientated in this world, uh, the way everyone is so greedy in the sense of uh, they'll do anything for money, even if it means harm in the world in the process. And yeah, that's the biggest shame for me, is all the damage that's happening to the world. Because this isn't our world, which is lucky enough to live here. In 500 years, it's going to be a different generation 
And yeah, it's going to be a lot different for them unless we sort it out. So I'd say that's my last words on the subject, Harvey. What about you? Yeah, I stand by everything you, you just said there. We always hear this phrase of make you aware, awareness, and all this type of thing. I do think, generally, this is a very, very good documentary. Definitely made me aware of the current commercial fishing problem. Might consider, I'm not going to say oh, I'll stop eating fish. I'll definitely have a second thought about it when buying it, obviously. Um, but I think the more people are on social media and things like this, it's, it's just blocking a simple message. And we just don't have the time, or we should have the time, but we don't have the time to sit back and think about what we're doing. But watching this 90 right. minutes, it's completely changed my mindset. I think that's a good place to leave it, Harvey, so thank you. Thank you for your time as well. Um, thanks for listening. And if you've got any questions or subjects you want us to cover, uh, you can get a hold of us on our email, which is gettingdeepwith at gmail.com. Uh, you can also go on Twitter. We'll be on there. Just leave any comments. And uh, thank you very much for, for listening. Thanks for your time, guys. Thank you.